So before I begin, I would just like to state for the record that today is September 9th, 2022, and my name is Ben Bauman. I'm speaking via phone with Richard McLean, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just starting off, when and where were you born? Oh, I was actually born in Schenectady, New York. My dad and mom moved there uh, during the uh, Second World War. Wow. So, and he worked for uh, General Electric, and he designed um, electrical panels, the big panels for uh, uh, destroyers and cruisers. Wow. And uh, and battleships. That's cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And what were your parents' names? Uh, Joseph and uh, Edith McLean. And when did your family move to Indiana? Uh, 1945. Okay. At the end of the war. Yeah. Did you have any siblings? Yes, uh, there's six of us. <clears throat> I'm the oldest, and uh, the youngest uh, died at uh, the age of 44. He had a brain tumor. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, but uh, they finally got it diagnosed, and, and uh, he was diagnosed on a Friday, and they operated Sunday morning. Wow, okay. Then then he lasted uh, for about 16 months. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, thinking about your childhood, uh, how would you describe it? Um, Well, my parents were uh, uh, very uh, aware of business. My dad uh, was hired by a local uh, electronics firm. Electronics at that time is not how you know it today. Uh, It was uh, contactors and relays. That's all switched to uh, transistors and uh, computer chips and so on. Right. They were definitely very, uh, my parents were very family oriented and uh, church oriented. As a matter of fact, my dad taught the the old ladies class uh, in Sunday school. Uh, And he was, I don't know, he was 35 to 40 at the time, and the old ladies were 60 to 100. Interesting, okay. Wow. (laughs) Pretty cool. Yeah, that is wild, okay. Um, Who were the most influential people in your childhood? Your parents, or? Um, I think probably, yeah, my parents were, um, I had good good neighbors that were um, 
guess uh, I passed papers, uh, started in the sixth grade, and uh, um, and then when I was in the ninth grade, I went to work for uh, Dairy Queen, and uh, the owners were uh, uh, good role models, too. Yeah, okay. What did you know about your family's political beliefs growing up? Um, they were, uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, my grandfather, uh, McLean, was a card-carrying Democrat. And um, he worked in the state house as a, uh, a civil engineer, and uh, he uh, he was Purdue graduate. Uh, he was also a farmer, and um, and he wed uh, a card carrying Republican. Hmm. She, as a matter of fact, uh, two of her. Um, uh, let's see, brothers were in the General Assembly. Um, mm, I can't remember the year. It's around 1900. So wow, uh, yeah. So, but back back then, um, there, the only difference between Republicans and Democrats were the names not the ideologies. So um, they, they were not like today. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just stop right there. Yeah. Okay. And what schools did you attend growing up? Um, I, the first uh, six years went to uh, Noble Township, uh, grade school uh, and middle school but I went the first six years so I grew up on a small farm um, my dad and his partner uh, built the uh, first drive-in movie in 1948 um, and uh it was called the Skyline Drive-In, and um, so they moonlighted, the, you know, for their day jobs. Both of them were uh, engineers and uh, had worked for uh, RBM, which became Essex Wire, which became Hamilton Standard. Uh, and uh, so, um, so I grew up in a in a business family, so to speak. Right, right. Now, did you have a favorite subject in school? Um, <laughs> I can tell you my least favorite. <laughs> what was your least? The, the least was uh, uh, history. Okay. Philosophy, you know, anything that had that was boring. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I found I found math to be my best. Okay. Yeah. That seems like a, a common thing where people either like math and hate sort of the other subjects like English or, or history, or they like the opposite and hate math. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Be angry at all, I'll tell you. Well, I had four years of uh, of Spanish and got B's and A's. Yeah. And had had the equivalent of that at uh, Purdue. Yeah, okay. And did the same, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah. And what did you major in at Purdue? I uh, ended up uh, in, in industrial supervision, which now is um, human resources, because one of my sons graduated and his wife graduated uh, in the, I think it's called human resources, but industrial supervision is uh, is the way it started. Then they changed the name. I don't know. Okay. Twenty five years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, when you moved to Indiana from New York, how did you view the state of Indiana? Oh, I was so young. Uh, okay. It, it was closer to my grandparents, uh, which uh, they lived in Plainfield, Indiana. So, oh, okay. We got to see them more often. But I think I was five years old. Okay. No, I was four because I went to kindergarten when I was four and a half. Yeah. So. So were your grandparents from Indiana? Yes. Okay. Yes. So did your parents then just move to New York from Indiana? Yes. Okay. Yes. I understand. And right. how long had your family been in Indiana? Oh, Generations. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, we're trying to. Um, my great grandfather um, west of Indianapolis uh, in the Avon area. Uh, he had he had amassed like a three hundred and sixty acre farm, which back then was huge because most of the farms were 60 acres or 40 acres you know right so uh, but uh, he was I've heard I never got to meet him but I did his wife my great grandma okay uh, I spent some time with her at the end of her life and I think she lived till she was 95 if I'm not mistaken Wow. So after you graduated from Purdue, did you have sort of a game plan for what you wanted to do with your life? Uh, well, the last half of my senior year at Purdue, uh, I worked in the Elks Club Pro Shop, and uh, and I met a guy. And I told him what my story was. I said I had uh, electronics when I was in the Navy. And uh, I took some electronics at Purdue to finish up my uh, education. And he says, oh, he says, 
you, I just retired from a company called CTS, uh, and they make electronics, and they're looking for a night shift uh, supervisor, three to eleven shift. And I says, "Oh man, that would just fit me perfect because I have morning classes." And uh, so I interviewed uh, the guy that he told me to go interview at CTS, and I was hired. Uh, and I started. I think it was a week later. And I managed uh, 100 uh, night shift women, ages uh, 18 to uh, 24, 25. And most of them were uh, wives of students at Purdue. Hmm, okay. And, and I've heard more excuses why they can't work today, but they... They can rest up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, being fresh out of the Navy a year and a half, you know, later or earlier, uh, I didn't quite understand women. Yeah. <laughs> so I still don't. I've been married. This will be our 53rd year. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. How was your college experience at Purdue overall? Um, I was, uh, I grew, after high school, my first year at Purdue, I grew seven inches. So I went from 5'2 to 5'9 in a year. And uh, that, uh, that was a... Uh, that was quite an experience, you know, being the shortest person in the class, going to like an average height. Um, <laughs> right. And I, I guess uh, I was so immature that uh, I started in 59. I uh, flunked out twice. I'm not proud of that. Um, and then um, I got drafted. And you have three days back then. You had three days to see if you could um, not go to Vietnam as a, you know, in the army. Uh, so I did qualify uh, uh, for a navy uh, for the navy, and uh, I got a electronic school um, out of that. <clears throat> So, um, God's blessed me a whole bunch. Yeah, sure. And in what ways did your politics change from those experiences? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't think my politics, uh, I, I guess I've always been a moderate okay not, not a far right uh, I guess I've always been um, trying to uh, better myself and the people around me um, 
and I, I just, um, I just hope that that's, you know, a legacy that that I can leave with the, yeah. the people that uh, that are around me. Sure. Okay. Now, when did you get married? Uh, we got married in '69. Okay. And uh, <laughs> do you have any children? Yes, we have twin sons. Oh, okay. Cool. And they're as different as night and day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So, when did you get seriously involved in politics? Seriously involved uh, would really have been um, after I left CTS. I worked there for three years, and my wife and I had the opportunity to uh, start the first gas station convenience store in the Indianapolis area, and that would have been in 73. Um and it was in Brownsburg on the interstate of 74 and 267. Okay. And um, we went door to door for uh, Luger. Um, Let me see. I think that was the, I think that's when he, oh, who did he run against? Now, now you're asking me a long time ago. I think he ran against uh, Hartkey, if I'm not mistaken, and he got beat. Um, But then uh, we went door to door again for him, and I can't remember who he beat then. I'm thinking Hartkey, but I may be wrong. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, and um, I I was elected to the uh, uh, JCs in Brownsburg as their president, um, and um, we were poll watchers. Uh, my wife and I were poll watchers uh, in Brownsburg, and we sold our business in Brownsburg uh, to some executives with Maplehurst Dairy, uh, and then we bought a hotel in Logansport, so we were able to move back to Logansport, 150-room hotel, uh, and I became good friends with who used to be my bus driver in Noble Township. Uh, he's 20 years older than me. And uh, he asked me to run for a township trustee. And so I did. And, and uh, I was township trustee for four years. I was also precinct committeeman. I should say that. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, when did you decide to run for the general assembly? Uh, 
I was, uh, I quit my job uh, as a sales and marketing manager for an electronics firm that we took from 17 employees to 250 employees here at Logan Sport. Uh, just happened to be that we took them from 1.7 million uh, to about 25 million. And uh, uh, anyway, I, uh, one of the co-owners uh, who really hired me, and we've been friends, you know, for gee, ever since we moved back to Logan Sport, and uh, he asked me to uh, go to work for him, and, but then he he died. Um, <laughs> um, he had a blood clot. Uh, he was getting ready for church, and and uh, uh, the blood clot was in his ankle. And uh, so his wife took him to the hospital, and then they rushed him to Indy. And <clears throat> he'd uh, been uh, down at St. Vincent's for 11 days, and he called me at 10 o'clock at night, and he says, Hey, Rich, he says, uh, I'm coming home tomorrow. Can you... Um, uh, come to the house in the morning and I says yep you just call me when you get get the, you know get home and I'll be darn I got to call it excuse me no worries that he passed away wow so yeah that was a tough one definitely absolutely yeah um, so thinking about when you were running for the General Assembly, um, what was your campaign like? <laughs> uh, well, it started out, uh, first of all, uh, I, I guess, uh, I wanted to know if I could win, you know, nobody wants to be a loser. Right. Um, and so I asked, uh, oh, some, some farmers and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, a guy that, uh, had been in the, uh, in the Senate, uh, who I'd known practically all my life, uh, and, you know, he says, I think you'd be a great match, you know, with your background. Um, and then I asked a, a guy that uh, had a, a big business uh, in Logan and really uh, he, he had manufacturing plants in Mexico and other states here in, uh, uh, in the United States. And so... Uh, he says, Rich, he says, uh, I'll put some money there. And then uh, another guy uh, who ended up being my treasurer, um, um, I guess, convinced me that 
that uh, I'd make a good candidate and and uh, but people didn't know that my wife north of 24 US 24 is related to almost half of those people uh, so um, but it was it was quite a, an experience um, we walked door to door and uh, I also developed a toothpaste tube squeezer uh, that uh, we had a door hanger and it fit right on that door hanger and uh, so I was known as uh, uh, the squeezer. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Now, do you remember your opponent when you ran? Yes. Uh, his name was uh, is still Stan France. Okay. Um, and he and his brother, uh, we still talk, but uh, Stan, after he lost the election, uh, he and his wife moved to, uh, he got a teaching job out in Scottsdale, I think, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, okay. I used to, I used to have my insurance with him. Oh, really? <laughs> Before or after the election? Before the election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll say it might be a, yeah risky afterwards. Yeah, yeah but he was, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So how did you campaign against him? Or was it just kind of like, oh, you know, this is my issue. This is, these are his issues that he's interested in and pick it short, you know. No, I, I never talk about his issues. Never talk about his. Okay. Uh, his personality or his family. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the one that's running and, you know, you take me or leave me. Right, so right. To speak. You can't be that harsh. Right, yeah. You know. Yeah, okay. Um, what was your reaction when you found out that you won? Uh, actually, the... Uh, uh, Speaker of the House uh, called me and says, Rich, you won. I says, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. You know, and then the, uh, oh, it was, uh, trying to think, the uh, state chairman. Oh, oh man. He called me, and but I can't think who uh, what his name is. Well, uh, after we hang up, I'll think of it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, did you maintain the same campaign strategies throughout your political career? Yes, okay. very much so. Yeah, you know, run on your merits and what you have done and, and what you've learned and, and yeah. so on. Did you do a lot of door-to-door? Uh, -door? Sure did. Yeah. Any, yep. any interesting experiences from doing that? I know you could meet all sorts of characters, perhaps. Or <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. I, 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 we were in a, in a small town down in Carroll County, 
And uh, I knocked on the door and noticed uh, a smell. Uh, being in the Navy and having a hotel, uh, you notice the different smells. And, and it smelled like marijuana. That house did. Yeah. I says, well, you know, I'm going to knock on the door. And... and uh, <clears throat> And so he uh, he let me in, and and he says, uh, or he asked me, he says, "What do you think of marijuana?" <laughs> and I says, "Hey, whatever floats your boat is just fine with me." I says, "But don't ask me to to uh, pass a get out of jail free uh, card in the general assembly because I'm not going to do that." Oh, well, okay. You know, that's pretty honest. So I don't know whether I got his vote or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. What were you thinking when you walked into the state house for your first day in office? Well, I'm used to trees being around me. I didn't see any trees, but I saw huge columns of marble or limestone or and and it was just amazing how the state house was built uh, back in the 1800s yeah uh, with you know the, they didn't have the kind of equipment that we have today sure uh, of course in 1994 you know when I went in, uh, they had, you know, equipment that would build the building, and I think that that building in uh, the 1800s was built for a little over $2 million. Well, today, today, what would it cost? No clue. Yeah. Sure. It was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the, and the history. Yeah. Now, did you have any expectations for what you thought the legislative process would be like before you started serving? Um, first of all, I'm not a public speaker. So uh, I'm an idea person, uh, and that's what I can you know, bring to the party. I'm pretty good at one-on-one -on -one or one-on-five. Uh, but I'm not a fast thinker. I, I hope I'm a thorough thinker, um, you know, can weigh both sides of the issues and then make a, a, a proper decision. Um, so I guess in response to your question, I think that... Um, you just, you have to see both sides of the issue. It's not a Republican, it's not a Democrat. 90% uh, on one side, 90% on the other side, but it's a 50-50 proposition that you have to look at in making a decision for 64,000 of your, of your constituents. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So how did you learn sort of the in and outs of 
the Indiana General Assembly? I think going to those people that uh, uh, think a lot of the way that uh, I I think, um, and and you just have to listen. You got to sit back and listen and process uh, what you're hearing. Um, I think that's. Um, we, we just had a meeting. It's, it's that I didn't even think about this. Wednesday, uh, retired. I call them has-beens. I'm has-been now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were seventy that met over at Grissom uh, for four hours. Uh, there was a tour. Um, and then a, a luncheon, um, and, uh, a presentation of a, of a fellow that, uh, raises, uh, uh dogs that sniff out, uh, like bombs and drugs and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And, uh, I had met him. Oh, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, and I was really impressed with him. And then, but seeing, you know, how he trains his dogs, and they're all over the world. And one of his very last statements was, if uh, that that killer at, uh, what's the name, the Uvalde school, if they would have had a dog in... Uh, in the police system, mm-hmm. especially in that school, he says uh, that would have never happened. Hmm. The dogs don't stop, you know. Yeah, uh, they just go right after the, the the guy. They recognize; they're trained to recognize uh, somebody that is acting out. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Maybe I'm getting off track. No, you're fine. Okay. I think that's that's about it. Okay. Um, so how did you keep track of the needs and wants of your constituents when you served? Oh, that's really a good question. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of those same needs. Uh, and uh, and once I don't like the government to be intrusive um, I think that uh, I'm stalling no you're fine um, I think that uh, when when I see uh, somebody disobeying the constitutional laws that we have, uh, it's it's not fair. Well, I'll just take a case in point, and that is we have laws that prevent people from coming into the United States 
uh, and they need to be enforced. My wife's grandparents came through Ellis Island. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen, that we need to, you know, to uh, line up. And we do have quotas, uh, and uh, Congress can change those quotas anytime they want to. But for the chief executive officer to turn turn a blind eye to what's happening, I don't care what it is that is against um, our laws is uh, is in, in total disregard to the Constitution and uh, state law. Right. Okay. Let's see. Do you remember the first bill that you sponsored? Oh, my. Um, Oh, my. Uh, I was a freshman. It was my first year. I remember the second one. Uh, It was to raise the... uh, Conservation officers' um, wage, so that they, so that their kids um, weren't on. Uh, shoot. Um, anyway. It was Brent Steele and myself uh, sponsored this bill for conservation officers and I think state police. And I think there was maybe it was just those two, Uh, because if they if, if the state policemen had a family of four, they qualified for food stamps. And we needed to, uh, those people, you know, they put their lives on the line and they need, they need to, um, make more money then. So that was, I think that was probably 95, 96, it could have been 97 or eight. Yeah. Um, but I remember that when we filed the bill, we had to do something because uh, I think the Ways and Means chairman would not hear it, and we had to we had to make sure that we had it filed uh, with the clerk's office by ten minutes till eight in the morning. And if we if we were after eight o'clock, it would not have uh, been considered. So we got there at ten minutes till eight, and uh, uh, but finally it did go through committee, uh, and it did.
did. It did pass the General Assembly. Okay. All right. Interesting. So how challenging was it to get a bill passed in the General Assembly? Um, I, it, it, it's... Um, well, first of all, uh, you work behind the scenes. Right. You, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you a really good story. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not name dropping and, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, in Cass County, in rural counties, um, we raise, um, racehorses. Right. We raise sulkies, we raise quarter horses, um, and, um, I've got friends that, uh, that race horses, uh, that's a sideline. Um, and so when, um, Shelbyville and Anderson, uh, you know, got their tracks. Um, they were really not very successful just making ends meet racing horses in the paramutual day. Um, and so I, I drafted a bill or had a bill drafted that would put uh, um, slot machines at the tracks. Okay. So um, I'm not a gambler. If I lose 20 bucks, you know, uh, I cry. <laughs> and I'm out of there. <laughs> Come on, honey, let's leave. Well, I still have 20 bucks, you know, she says. <laughs> so... So anyway, uh, but the what happens if these tracks go out of business is you lose the veterinarians, you lose the farmers who raise the hay and the straw and uh, the feed, um, all those, uh, and of course, you know, even the racehorse stables that... Uh, are in and around these uh, two cities. Um, it, it's just, it would be just a huge disaster if you know either one of those uh, tracks would have would have closed. Right. And they were headed that way. So and you know I sat on Ways and Means for eighteen years and and I saw that uh, and and I had you know some help from various people when I uh, crafted this legislation and finally at four o'clock in the afternoon I went into Governor Mitch Daniels office and, and said to uh, I ask his his receptionist you know if I could talk to him and he says 
And she says, well, he's just getting ready to leave. And he just happened to hear that. And he says, oh, Rich, come on in. And he says, what do you have? And I says, well, I realize this is thirsty and I should be on my way home. But uh, I, I think I have something very interesting for you. And so I sat down and I gave him my short version of what this bill was. And I handed the bill to him. And, and uh, I says, uh, I'm looking for slots at the tracks uh, to save our, uh, and I went through all the farmers and, you know, racing uh, off, offshoots of, of support for the, the racetracks. And, and he looked at me and he says, Richard, Richard, Richard. <laughs> and I sat there, my face probably turned, you know, 10 shades of red. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I says, well, I appreciate your consideration. Well, as you know, you may not know, you don't normally get a bill passed in the first year. Right, so, right. As it turned out that uh, I think the bill passed about two years later, um, I was supportive of the bill, as you know, by this interview. But the bill was uh, introduced by another state rep and uh, and it, uh, by the way, I had support from uh, both the Senate and uh, and the House to pass that bill just the way I had uh, presented it. It would have been a squeaker, but um, of course, it, you know, I never got to present it, but I certainly supported it, and I do to this day. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, how often would you say you had to work with the other party to get legislation passed? Oh, wow. I, it's, uh, it's not my intent to alienate anybody. And I think that, When I was, yeah, when I was in, especially the first um, 10, 12 years, um, it's it's very necessary to uh, get the support of um, the movers and the shakers uh, on both sides. Um, and, of course, that's the way I've been my whole life. Uh, I mean, I've made some stupid uh, decisions, and I hope I've learned from them. Right. But, uh, but you, yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's not like today where you're too far to the right and too far to the left. You got to take that middle ground and and make it so it's the best for everybody. Yeah. So. It sounds like the interactions in between Republicans and Democrats were probably pretty good when you served. Would you say that's accurate? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's that's accurate. Um, 
Now, how has how did that change over the course of your service? Because I know you served into the like, was it like 2012 or something. Yes. Okay. And so, did you see an increase in political polarization over time when you served, or is it about the same? Oh boy, <laughs> that's a that's a good one. Um, I think that both sides have become more, how do you say it, uh, not understanding each other. Okay. Uh, we need more moderates. We need... I don't even know if that's a good word anymore. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we don't need the far right and the far left. I mean, I'm sorry that yeah. uh, we need to understand each other's issues um, and then come to a reasonable um, agreement to disagree. Right. I, that's a hard one, you know. It's, uh, um, I know in this uh, in this last election that the uh, and I'm only speaking for the Republican side that the far right, you know, were were like a a hog pen. Yeah, they're they're eating their own, and that's just. It's that's not the way humans should be. Yeah, that's pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate circumstances politically. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, looking at the dynamics of the General Assembly in another way, what would you say that were the differences between the House and Senate? the people in the house but 
I don't know. Yeah. Okay. How influential was party leadership when it came to determining what legislation would get passed or not? Oh, very much so. Okay. Yeah, it's... uh, um, I had, you uh, you have to have the you know the the uh, leadership has to buy into what you're trying to sell. Yeah. If not, you're not going to get it sold. Okay. Yeah. That's our democracy, you know. Yeah. That's our free enterprise system. Same thing. If you don't have a good product, you're not going to sell it. Right. Did you ever go against party leadership? <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. I don't know how to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> it didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah. Especially on ways and means, we went against our. There were several of us that went against our party uh, chairman yeah <laughs> and uh, and we heard from it uh, as a matter of fact I was with uh, I was with him uh, Wednesday uh, and uh, the chairman of Waste means uh, when I served uh, and uh, we didn't talk about that but we we did talk about this um, which I think you'll find very, uh, very interesting. Uh, the first thing that we talked about was um, why return money back to the people uh, with this so-called, um, oh, shoot, the, the uh, ex- extra money that the state has and I think it was eight billion and they returned one or two billion dollars back to the uh, people I think it was a two hundred and twenty dollar check that each one of us got knowing full well that uh, the state owes several pension funds uh, billions of dollars yeah take that money and pay off the debt that is owed to those people who uh, collect from those pension funds. Um, That's never made any sense to me. Uh, And uh, and it it was, uh, I'll just tell you who it is, Jeff Espick and I, um, you know, talked about that Wednesday and I guess you're not going to convince those people that are representing us today down in Indianapolis that uh, you got to pay off these debts. Right. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, I'm curious, did you ever... Uh, were you punished ever for going against party leadership or anything? Or No. Okay, well, that's good. No, no, no. And I was, 
uh, Speaker Bosna, and I, of course, we went to the same university, different years. Yeah. But uh, we were pretty close, and Bill Friend and, and I are still close. Uh, and uh, Speaker Bosna, one of his greatest sayings is, is you keep your enemies close to your side. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I was his enemy. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, now, how did your legislative service impact your family life? Well, it got me out of the house. I think that's what she wanted to do. She <laughs> was a great campaigner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I do want to tell you this. The very first night that, that I was in the General Assembly, of course, stayed at the Columbia Club. And uh, so I, you know, I always called home and uh, to talk to her. And she says, well, I hear you did this. Well, who did you hear that from? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. So, <laughs> so she had a, a, a some kind of a spy down there. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, how influential were lobbyists in the General Assembly? Oh, if... If you can't sort out the minutia, um, then you don't belong there. Yeah. Um, lobbyists are only as good as you can uh, determine the source of information that they have. Uh, and they, they do have, uh, most of them, I'll say, have a great source of information, but you have to sort through it. Okay. Yeah. And I don't mean, you know, just buying you lunch or dinner or something like that. That there, I would hope that nobody, but nobody, uh, bought me. I, I'm, I'm, Number one, I'm not equipped that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you think that campaign donations or gifts had much influence on politicians when you served? Oh, I would sure hope not. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'll just give you a case in point. I had a chance to go to work for um, shoot I don't know how to put this Um, uh, or one of the universities I'll just say okay and you know um, and I came home and, you know, and my wife and I talked about that. I says, well, go ahead, sure sounds pretty good. 
you know, that beats the 11,600 that we're making each year. Yeah. By about 90,000. <laughs> you know, and, and I says, but, but, you know, and we both said it at about the same time. That's just not right, you know. But you see all these other people that are in the General Assembly, several of them, you know, that are doing this. Yeah. And I think, well, no, that, that's still not right. So it's just, in my opinion, it's not right. In their opinion, they can justify it. So, but. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, how influential was gerrymandering when you served? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, when I was in, I had the Democrats, let's see, they, they drew the districts twice. And both times it was beneficial to me because I had a, a pretty concise district. You know, most of my district was Cass and Carroll County uh, with a couple of precincts in Miami and a half a precinct in, uh, in White County. Right. Um, and, but now, uh, when I left, I think I, I made the guy that drew the districts, uh, I think I made him mad, you know, <laughs> because he, he broke Cass County up into three different, um, state rep, you know, districts. So, and I think that's where it is today. Um, okay. I think we have three. So, uh, I, I think gerrymandering is uh, is the party that is in power. Um, they want to remain in power. So, um, you know, it's a it's a law that. Uh, it would be nice to be changed to an independent, um, impartial uh, committee, but I don't know how you make an impartial committee. So mm -hmm. I think the law ought to stay right where it is. And, and uh, it's nice to say this is the way I'd like to see it, you know, but um, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, what would you change about the legislative process based on your experiences? Oh. Um, I, I, I don't know that you can change anything. Uh, and I'll just, case in point, I think it's all... Um, we're all human beings. We don't all think alike. That's a good thing. Um, 
but we had we had a a state rep uh, that um, got a bill passed. I voted against it, uh, Republican, uh, and he. he uh, there are several of us that, that that did vote against it, but it had to do with uh, motorcycles doing wheelies from stoplights. Okay. And he made and he made that against the law. Well, first of all, it's already against the law to um, drive recklessly in a car or a two-wheel vehicle. And uh, yeah. So, but he got the votes and he got it passed. Well, okay. I guess that's another thing we put on the books and. Oh, that, that, you know, when I came in, uh, if you had a, I think about a three foot ruler, uh, right in front of you, that's where Indiana code books were. Now that has doubled. Well, I don't know what it is. I've been out 10 years, but it doubled the time that I was in there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm for every bill that you pass. I think you ought to take off two. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> um. What were the most controversial legislative issues when you served? Oh my. Hmm. That passed or didn't pass? Um, either one. Okay. Oh, my. Uh, probably me being on Ways and Means is uh, the budget. Okay. There were, you know, the budget is about, I think it's, I may miss it misspeak, but I think it was 2,000 pages. Well, obviously you have to rely upon uh, your paid staff yeah. to make sure that there's nothing hidden in there. But still, there's uh, there are things that are hidden in the bill that benefit each and every county, um, which, in my opinion, uh, need to be laid out on the table and say, this is okay, this isn't, uh, but they're they're hidden right there in the last hours. Um, so I, I would say probably the budget is the most controversial um, that happens every two years. Yeah, of course. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what was the most complex piece of legislation that you ever worked on? <clears throat> oh, boy. Um, I 
guess I would uh, I would say that the uh, when uh, when Mitch Daniels took over as when he first became governor uh, the uh, the state was, I think, had a deficit of $2 billion. And he said that within two years, we will have, uh, with the budget that I am proposing, well, we will be um, on paper uh, show uh, that we'll have a surplus of one billion. Well, um, his budget, there are a lot of modifications, but his budget did pass. Uh, and in the first year, we had on paper, we had a $2 billion surplus. Wow. Yeah, and there were lots of reasons why, uh, and it's too complex to get into it, um, why that uh, through his, his administration, uh, his overseeing his administration, why that happened, which was just just phenomenal. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, is the uh, toll road. Um, the toll road, he uh, put it on the auction block and, and to get it out of... Uh, of the government, there are a lot of reasons why that uh, it it should have been in a you know private equity, somebody else running it rather than politics. Right. Okay. Let's see. Now. You served, I guess, for one, I believe, session in the House that was a 50-50 split, correct? Yes. What was that like? (laughs) Uh, Not fun. Not fun? (laughs) No, of course. uh, and, And I think when your job becomes not fun that uh, you need to rethink what's what's happening yeah uh, you need to change it um, for better or for worse uh, it couldn't have been any worse uh, it was very interesting mm-hmm. uh, from all standpoints um, the people who you talk to uh, on both sides um and uh, um, ask me another question, or 
whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, so I suppose from your experience in that fifty-fifty session, instead of uh, that forcing compromise, it was just kind of chaos and hard to do anything. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So, thinking now in the in the big picture a little bit. Uh, why did you leave the General Assembly? Um, I think the uh, the camaraderie was changing. Okay. Um, and uh, plus, uh, you know, I was 70 years old. I think I still had another um, couple of terms left, but... Um, I think you just recognize uh, when it's time to uh, get out because your your heart's not in it. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that uh, I think that when I got out, I think on the Republican side there were oh boy, in the last four years that I was in, there was like twenty or thirty new uh, people, maybe 40 new people on both sides, but especially on the Republican side that you had to get to know. It's almost like when you, when I went in in 94, where, you know, really I only knew four or five people, and those were the people that helped me get elected. Yeah. So you lose uh, you lose your camaraderie, you know. Yeah. So you have to develop new relationships, and honestly, it takes a little bit. It, if you're going to do it right, it takes a lot to do it right. Sure. And uh, um, so, yeah, that's it. That makes sense. How would you summarize your time then overall in the General Assembly? Oh, I thoroughly um, enjoyed it, um, and I felt that uh, that uh, I was a player, um, not a bystander. Um, we got we completed the Hoosier Heartland Corridor from Fort Wayne to actually from. Toledo to uh, to Lafayette. Uh, I've always been a a, a staunch um, supporter of Ivy Tech. Um, when we had the hotel in Logan Sport, that was in the late seventies. That um, I was uh, I was on the chamber board and. Uh, the president of the board, who was also president of the bank across the street, he and I, you know, felt a need for um, Ivy Tech to have a campus here in Logan, and he went down to Indianapolis uh, to a state chamber meeting and also talked to the president of. Ivy Tech, and he came back and called me and and says, Rich, he says, we're going to have a satellite campus here in Lowensport. So 
Um, anyway, that started, uh, I think it was 78, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, today we have a brand new campus, uh, which uh, I put in the budget. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but um, and uh, it's you know it services uh, this whole region, you know, Carroll White uh, has a nursing school, um, so yeah, just some, you know some neat things that pop up in your mind every once in a while. Sure. What lessons did you learn from your experiences? Well, <laughs> I guess I would hope that uh, our our kids and grandkids would feel uh, that uh, their relation or that I, I can pass down to them that they need to get uh, involved in the people surrounding them, you know. The, yeah. Um, it just, I don't know, life's lessons that, you know, just don't be, uh, I don't know, a plug in the bathtub. Right, yeah. Okay. Did you have any regrets from your time in the General Assembly? Mm. No, because, you know, uh, as I mentioned to you, Wednesday, there were, uh, there were 70 uh, of has-beens from the, the House and the Senate got together over at Grissom. Uh, and by the way, we're the only state that, that has uh, an organization that we do periodically get together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we're trying to figure out how we can encourage other states to do that same thing. So um, I, I just, you know, it, it's neat seeing the other old people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your proudest moment when you served? Oh. Probably um, when uh, my farewell speech, everybody else, you know, that was leaving, they would get up in front of the house and go on for 15, 20 minutes. And uh, so the speaker says, okay, uh, oh, Representative McLean, are, are you a member here? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm standing there at the mic, and, and I turn back to the speaker, and I says, but here's my speech, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. And then I left. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so anyway. Um, 
Uh, anyway, I'm an idea guy. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? Um, don't forget who you represent. You represent... Uh, Christians, people who hang out in bars, people who break the laws, um, and uh, just um, remember uh, who you are. Yeah. So I think that's about it. Um. What do you think is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? Um, well, I think passing a balanced budget is, uh, is the most important. If you don't pass a balanced budget, uh, and you know that you're not passing a balanced budget, um, it's time for you to get out. Yeah. Um, what would you say the public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? Oh. Um, well, that, that's, that's a good question because it used to be and I'm going to say the first 10 years that I was in, we had a uh, newspaper reporter that um, he, uh, he and our radio station did too. Um, he um, covered a lot of the bills that were being considered in the General Assembly. And that's not happening now. Um, mm, okay. We used to have, uh, it's called, uh, oh darn it, on the radio, it was, uh, uh, anyway, uh, we would be interviewed uh, the state senator and state rep uh, for Cass County would be interviewed on the radio by uh, one of the radio reporters, and they would go on for an hour uh, every, when was that, every Friday morning, I think it was, because that's when we were back home. Um and people would listen to it. Well, that hasn't been done now for 20 years. Uh, let's see, 10, yeah, probably close to 20 years because they stopped doing that about 10 years before I left, um, which a lot of people listen to it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, okay. Uh, 
how would you say the state of Indiana has changed over the course of your lifetime? Oh my gosh. Um, I think that um, I'm trying to think what the state's budget when I went in in 94 I think it was I think it was 7 billion I think the state's budget now is at least 20 billion it may be a little bit more than that yeah maybe a whole lot more i don't uh, i you know i haven't followed the budget that much but i know that um when you're managing a, a seven billion dollar budget you know, uh, and people, of course, are making more money now than they did back then, and you collect taxes from their income. Um, it's it's changed a lot. Um, we also uh, did away with the inventory tax, which I I was I helped sponsor that bill. Uh, there was only two states. One was Arizona and the other one, Indiana, that had inventory tax. Uh, and that helped create jobs here in the state of Indiana. Um, and that's, that's what we need to do is, you know, is create jobs um, and help our, our manufacturing and other business entities. Right, yeah. Do you think the people of Indiana have changed? Well, I know our demographics has changed. Right. You know, in the last 20 years, our demographics here in Logan Sport, uh, it was two weeks ago, uh, after church on Sunday, we went to Walmart to uh, get some stuff and uh, uh, there were people walking by me of, uh, of I don't really know what nationality they were um, but they had two little kids and, and they were talking some language that I didn't understand and yeah. I know it wasn't it wasn't Spanish uh, but I think it was probably Haitian because I uh, I did go to Haiti uh, for a 10-day trip, uh, a missionary trip one time, and it sounded, you know, the, the words sort of sounded the, uh, what do you call it, uh, French Creole, mm -hmm. I think is what they speak. Huh, that's uh, interesting. So, but, you know, we have jobs for them. Yeah. Um, what what hasn't changed about the people of Indiana? Ooh, what hasn't changed? Um, 
depends on um, how people view themselves. Um, um, this may not. I, I think a lot of people have uh, are hanging on to their cell phones uh, and giving their their kids uh, cell phones and, and the cell phones are becoming smarter than them uh, I know mine is uh, I don't know how to answer that okay sure that's fine um, last question then for you. What do you want the people of Indiana to know about their influence on the General Assembly? Oh, I would, yeah, especially in my district, when I voted for Daylight Savings Time, uh, it was Don Lady and I who gave the 50 and 51st vote. Um, when I came home, uh, went to a 4-H meeting at the fairgrounds, uh, had two farmer brothers put me up against the wall and say, why did you do that? And they were hot. Yeah. And, um, so I think, you know, they they are following some legislation and um, that um, they just need to get everybody needs to get more involved yeah okay sure let let their rep and their senator you know know what what they think right. and that's a good thing and that's 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 one of the reasons why Ben that we need to have uh, the radio and the newspaper local radio local newspaper be more proactive and I have gone into both of them when I was in the still serving um, and it's all about dollars and cents, and they have to pay the, you know, they can't pay the people enough to keep them. Yeah, so sure. That's that's the worst part. Yeah. Well, um, are there, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you want to mention, or do we cover it all? Oh, wow. I think we pretty well covered it all. All right. Sounds good. I, think I just told you that I forgot about the daylight savings time. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was not one of my favorite uh, uh, votes, I can tell you that. Right. Because, because Don Leahy and I were walking down. This, we were going to lunch. We had just walked down the last step of the state house. My phone rang. <laughs> And, Rich, I just saw you walk by my door. 
Yeah. Uh, is this Mitch? <laughs> and he says, he says, I'd like to talk to you and Don. Oh, well, we're going to lunch. Uh, he says, you know, I don't go to lunch. I work out. <laughs> so, so we went in to his office and, and he sat us down and I says, he told me what he wanted. And of course, we both knew what he wanted. And uh, and Don and I had talked about this about the day earlier. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, we both said that if we get daylight savings time, we need to be on uh, central time. And uh, because of uh, Indiana Beach, which is at that time... Let's see, it, it was a $100,000, no, is that right? No, $100 million uh, revenue for uh, all the surrounding uh, counties. Yeah. Are you familiar with Indiana Beach? Um, I've heard of it. Okay, it's uh, Monticello. And it's on Lake Schaefer, and it's it's been a uh, amusement park since 1920s, I think. Okay. And uh, so, but the main revenue <clears throat> the, uh, comes from Chicago, so they're all on Central Time. Mm, okay. And uh, so. We says, okay, you help us get us on central time, and we'll vote for it. Yep, I'll help you do that. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> we're yeah. still on. We're still on. Uh, we're still on uh, Eastern. Yeah. So, but that's okay. Yeah. Hey, take the good with the bad. True. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, perfect. Um, well, that's all the questions that I have for you. Um, so, okay. I appreciate you taking the time to take part in this project. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. So, sure. Well, well, thanks, and good luck with your job. <laughs>